to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. The Bible is full of promises that are ours for the taking, and they are all good and 100% assured. Join us today as we start a new series in the book of Joshua titled Possessing the Promises. one of Cheryl's message titled, Possessing the Promises. So welcome, welcome to Joyful Life. I just thought just for the sake of, you know, we are Joyful Life Bible study. Secondly, we're possessing the promises. So think of Joyful Life as our county and possessing the promises as the city. (laughs) This is where we're going to be camping this year and possessing the promises. But overall, it's Joyful Life. And I just love that name because I think that sometimes we forget that as believers, we're supposed to be joyful. We forget that Jesus said, you know, I have come that that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full or joyful, (laughs) overflowing with joy. We forget Hebrews chapter one, where it says God has anointed him with the oil of gladness above everyone else. That Jesus has more joy than anyone else. David called God my exceeding joy. Jesus said to his disciples, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name that you may receive and your joy may be full. The fruit of the spirit is love Joy. The second, right after love, comes joy. You see, God wants to infuse us with his joy. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And again, it's in the Lord. The joy is outside of us and it's poured into us by the Lord and flowing out of us. And this is what the Lord wants to do. So we are overall the joyful life Bible study. But part of the joyful life is when we begin to possess the promises of God. When we begin to know what is ours and lay claim and move into them. So can I say this? There are over 500 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with either Happiness, gladness, rejoicing, joy. We are the joyful life women. So what is a promise? It's interesting. I was talking to Kathleen Keyes and then she said, you know, Cheryl, this thought came to me that a promise is like a present all wrapped up with a great big bow, that that's a promise. And and we take it home and we have it. It's a promise, but it doesn't really become ours until we unwrap it and we reach inside that box and we take it out 
and begin to use it. And I thought, that is so good. Because a promise is an assured hope, a certainty, a gift. It's something that God is going to do. When my children were little, they would call me to action by, Mom, you promised. And now my grandchildren, do you promise, Grandma? And then they hold me to that. It's if I say, oh, I'd like to. Does it mean anything? Grandma, promise. And then they, you know, you promise, Grandma. You promised, you promised. Like if you break that promise, you are no longer a grandma or fit to be a grandma. You've just gotten your grandma's stripes just taken right off your shoulders. Because a promise is a certainty. It's a, it's a vow. A promise is binding. But a promise is only as good as the person that promises. You know, my dad, precious man that he was, used to tell my daughters, I promise to give you Disneyland. You want Disneyland? Grandpa's going to get you Disneyland. Which I think is hilarious because my dad like went to Disneyland once in his entire life. And he obviously could not give my children Disneyland. And, and they knew it, but they thought it was so precious that he wanted to. My mother used to say, I'll give you a million dollars if you'll bring me another cup of coffee. And she would hold her cup out. A million dollars. Now, I knew that she didn't have a million dollars to give. But I realized that the desperation for that second cup of coffee was worth a million dollars. And had she had a million dollars in her possession, she would have given it to me. She used to call coffee black plasma and said she needed an infusion. But when God makes a promise, it's absolutely 100% assured. Why? Because God cannot lie. Listen to this in the New Living Translation, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? When God makes a promise, it is good and he will carry it through. God keeps his promises. Secondly, God's nature is thoroughly good. God is good. So because he is good, he can only give good things. He can only do good things. His nature is such that he can only do good. He can only give good. He can only desire good for us. All of God's thoughts have to be good because he is good. He can't have a bad thought because he's good. He can't give a bad gift because he's good. It says that every good and perfect gift is from God. Those are the only gifts he can give are good gifts. And he can only desire good. His nature is so good that he is compelled to do good and to give good and to bless. Numbers 10.29 states this, God has promised good things to Israel. Now, 
Israel means ruled by God. If you remember, it was the name given to Jacob. In the beginning, Jacob's name was heel catcher. In other words, I'll get it for myself. I'll grab, I'll do whatever it takes. And when you look at Jacob in the Bible, he spent the first 40 years or more of his life, first 60 really, just grabbing for himself and making things happen until he was crippled by God. And at that point, he became Israel, ruled by God. God couldn't bless Jacob as much as he wanted to. He could only cover him for those 60 years. But once Jacob wrestled with God and became handicapped, he could then be ruled by God and step into the promises of God. These promises that were waiting, stored up, but he couldn't until he was ruled by God. Now, we're told in Corinthians that these stories that we read in the Old Testament were written for our good and for our learning. That these stories are more than just a historical record of what happened in the lives of people. They're lessons for us. And they have deeper lessons. And the name Israel is both symbolic and significant because there are blessings waiting for us, but we can't step into those till we are ruled by God. And once we are ruled by God, then we can step into the blessings that he has for us. Fourthly, he gives us his promises. He gives us his promises so we can know his good intentions, cooperate with his will, so that we can get to the place where he can bless us and that place being ruled by God. And he wants us to get to this place spiritually, to a spiritual understanding so that we can receive the promises to maybe a physical place, a place, you know, a location where we can be blessed. Israel was to get into the land of promise so they could begin to reap the blessings. Mentally, to get our thoughts in a place where God can bless us. Emotionally, to love him and get to a place emotionally where he becomes our first, our foremost, so he can bless us. The Bible is a book of promises. Promises fulfilled, promises pending, but a book of promises. It tells us the good things that God desires to do in us and to do for us and to give to us. In 2 Peter 1.4, Peter writes this, and I think, I, I pretty much know that every week, whether I want to or not, I'm going to be saying this scripture. It just keeps coming back to me. But this is what Peter says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you realize that these promises have already been given to us? It's as if the FedEx man has left the package 
right on our doorstep. It's already there. It's already waiting. How? Jesus Christ purchased the promises of God for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, For all the promises of God are in him and are yes, and so be it, already done to the glory of God. You see, Jesus fulfilled all the requirements necessary to bring us into the promises of God. Sometimes in the Bible, we will find these awesome promises, but they say things like, if you will love me then, if you will obey, if you will walk in my ways, if you will follow. And sometimes when we look at those conditions, we already feel disqualified from the get-go. You know, have you ever read the want ads? You know, and you know, the job ads and gone, well, I, I can't do that because that's not where my degree is, or I can't do that because I don't have a degree. I can't do that. I can't do that. They want someone who's already got experience in retail. I don't have, you know, and you're looking and you're just like, wow, I'm disqualified from work. You know, this is terrible. But when we look at the Bible promises, Jesus already filled out the application for us. He already qualified. He lived a perfect life. He lived the life we should have lived. Every thought of Jesus was pure. Every action of Jesus was pure and good. Every emotion of Jesus was always good and pure. He never sinned physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. He said, I always do those things that please my father. That's just how he lived in this constant communion with God. He lived the life we were meant to live. And by living that perfect, righteous life, he fulfilled all the requirements for every promise that God gave. Then Jesus wrote out a will, a trust that said, when I die, I bequeath all the promises that I acquired during my lifetime, all the riches of God. I bequeath these at my death to all those who will believe in me by faith. And then Jesus died that we might receive those promises. Had he not died on the cross and risen again, those promises would not be ours. We would be indebted. We would be unqualified. But because Jesus not only lived a good life, but died paying our debt, putting us in his will. And I love John chapter 17. I always think of that as the will, the last testament of Jesus Christ. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the executor of the will, right? He comes and makes sure we get all those promises. Jesus said, he will take what is mine and he will give it to you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to make the promises come true in our life, to apply the promises. So Jesus, by his goodness, by his purity, by his battle against sin and death, his victory, his perfect sacrifice, his perfect gift brings us into all the promises of God. Again, all the promises of God are in him 
and in him they all become, yes, you get that. Yes, you get that. Yes, you get that. So be it. Amen. So be it. Or it is done. It is so. It is so. It is so. And these promises, as we read in Second Peter 1 verse 4, that these promises are beyond great. It says exceedingly great. They exceed great. What is that? To exceed great. They go beyond greatest. They go way beyond. It's like the, the difference between the moon and the earth and the earth and the sun. Or, or let's go even further, the earth and Beetlejuice. Or the earth to the furthest star. They go beyond. You know, David said, as the heavens are high above the earth, great is his mercy towards us. It, it goes beyond great. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those who love him. Beyond great, exceeding great. You know, we're happy with great, aren't we? Great is good. You know, Motel 6 will do. If I've got a clean bed, clean sheets, no bed bugs, I'm okay. But God says, we're going to go even beyond four stars, beyond five stars. We're going to even surpass four seasons. We're going to go so beyond everything. I'll just say this. I, I love, I love booking hotels. It's one of my favorite things. And uh, when Brian's got to go on a trip, I'm like, let me get your hotel. And I like to, you know, bid and say, give me the best thing you've got for like 20 bucks. They always say, "Uh uh-uh. And then you go, okay, 30 bucks, "Uh uh-uh. You know, and I just keep doing that. But I was doing that for a hotel one time. We needed to stay in London. I had my boys with me and we needed a hotel. And because the boys at this time were like, you know, 30 and, and 20 something, they couldn't be in our bed or our room with us. And so Brian and I, we needed two rooms. And now that's getting a little pricey. We need two rooms for two nights. It's London. So I'm, I'm going on the websites. I'm bidding. I'm trying everything. And so I just stuck in five stars. I thought, well, I'll just see what five stars are. And all of a sudden, this thing comes up. If you will go with the hotel of our choosing, we'll give it to you. For, I mean, it was like just this incredible price and it's five star. And I'm like, okay, by faith, I'll say yes. So Brian's like, what hotel are we staying at? And I'm like, it's this name. It, it gave it to me because I was willing to trust it by faith. And he's like, and so now Brian, the boys, they're looking at me like we never, ever should have let mom do this. You know, she doesn't even know. And we're looking at the map to try to get there. It's not a famous hotel. I've never even heard of it. So we get to Paddington Station. It says it's walkable. So, you know, we're rolling our cases and it's just white with black. It looks like every other building on the street. And my boys are just shaking their head like, mom, mom. And so I'm like, all right. So we walk in the door when we find it and it's just really shabby. It's just this little room and it's got these pamphlets here and some pamphlets here and it's got kind of a door and we're waiting for someone to come. And then I walk over to the door and it opens up 
And all of a sudden, there's this huge James Bond marble lobby with two of these fireplaces on each end and these sunken seating areas and these gorgeous elevators. And this concierge steps up to us and says, welcome to the so-and-so. Do you have reservations? And I'm like, yes, but I don't think I'm dressed nice enough for this hotel. (laughs) And the boys are looking going, mom, whoa. And they hand us all bottles of water. And you know, Brian goes up to the desk and they treat us like royalty. And they're like, let us take your bags. And they take our bags and we go upstairs and the boys go on one side of the hall. We go on the other side of the hall. We've got this, it's like these beautiful wooden floors, all these windows looking out to a garden. I've never stayed at a place this nice in my entire life. And I'll tell you one more story about it. But anyway, So there is no closet, no nothing, but there's all these cupboards on one side of it. And you press it and out comes a table all set for tea. And you're like, oh my goodness. So you press the next one and out comes a closet and it's got two robes and slippers. I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's so amazing. And then Brian's, you know, he's going to take a shower and I'm like, wait, there's a Radio stat, I'm just going to turn it on and see what happens. He gets out of the shower and goes, Cheryl, that's the floor! <laughs> couldn't step on it, so I had to go back in the shower until I turned it off. So I wanted to tell the boys, you've got to press on the cupboards. So I go across to the room, and I'm, I'm knocking on the door, and they come out. These are my boys. They're my sons. They've got my DNA in them. They've got their robes on. They've already got their slippers on. They're like, they've got their cups of tea. Like, what, Mom? What's going on here? And one of the things that came out when you press the button is this huge TV. came out like a movie screen. It was like crazy. And all for 50 bucks a night. I mean, it was just, it was just, a, it was just amazing. But it was beyond great. It was, it was so incredible. You know, and yet, yeah, at first I was looking at Motel 6. Is there something with a one star that just guarantees no bed bugs? But the promises of God are exceeding great. But next we learn that they're precious. And that word precious means valuable or of great value. They are precious. They're like, you know, they're like 10 carats, diamonds, you know, not the, not the orange things, but the, but the diamonds and the rubies, they're a great value and pearls. They're worthy promises. They're sure and certain, and you can bank on them. You can invest in them and know that you'll get a return for your investment. But not only that, they're productive promises. These promises do more than just offer us great things. They actually make us partakers in the divine nature. They bring us into fellowship with God and the Son, Jesus Christ. They make us heirs together with Jesus of all the good things that God desires to do for his Son. These promises are so productive that the promise itself strengthens our faith, brings immediate blessing, 
bears fruit, inspires us, encourages us, and holds us. It holds us because I'm not leaving till the promise comes. I'm not leaving till the promise comes. It's like sitting through one of those despicable me movies with your grandchildren. And they're like, no, grandma, there's more things that those little minions do. We cannot leave. And you're waiting as all the credits, you know, because there's going to be just that one last scene that you've got to watch. But it holds us in the theater, holds us to our seat. That's what the promises of God do. They hold us. They hold us to the Lord. They hold us in place because I can make it through this trial because I've got the promise and I don't want to leave. And I don't want to put all this time into this trial and then not receive the promise. When God makes a promise, we can be assured that He will come through because He cannot lie. God's nature is good, so He can only give and desire good things for us. But a promise is like a gift. It's only effective when it is received from the giver and opened. Jesus is that perfect promised gift. He is our Savior that forgives us of our sins and brings us into all the promises of God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at God's promises to us as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.